I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. Once again, this is Hip Hop Can Save America, the live stream version, the most enlightening hip hop live stream in all the land. And as promised, let me bring on a good, uh, I don't say good friend. People say he's a good friend of mine. Not a good friend of mine, but I know him and I like him and we're cool. So how about that? My man, my mellow. Marlon yeah. Richardson, a.k.a. Unlearn the World. What up, sir? Peace, my brother. How you feeling? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you quite make sure well. I'm loud and clear, and I appreciate Rush. the support and um, that you like me. I really I appreciate do. that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, like, I, don't, I don't always have people on here that I like. You know, some people I just know. No. But, in, you know in the world of broadcasting, that's, that's kind of par for the course, right? That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, what I, what I do like is that we have hung out in, in person in a couple of times that helps, uh, you know, learn something about somebody and see how they do. I've watched you present, I've watched you perform, I've watched you kick it and do a bunch of things. So I'm really glad, like I said to you before, this is a long overdue conversation, but I've been waiting to get this, uh, beautiferous situation all beautified <laughs> before we get everyone set up in here that I've been, uh, waiting a long time to talk to. So once again, yeah. I thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you, bro. Do me a favor, if you will. Uh, I've mentioned you and, and, t and hinted at you, and some people know who you are. Could you please, uh, instead of me reading your bio, because that changes from day to day sometimes, how people <laughs> feel, please um, present yourself as you like to be presented to the world, if you could. Yeah. Marlon Richardson, also known as Unlearn the World, MC first and foremost. Like, I'd be remiss if I don't say that. Like, I am an MC, rapper, producer, beat maker. I like to say overall hip hop creative, but more particularly a hip hop educator. Right. Um, I have been a hip hop educator over the last 10 years. I am currently education director and acting executive director of Hip Hop for Change, which is an Oakland based nonprofit. And we specialize in teaching kids kindergarten through 12th grade, the true history and foundational principles of hip hop and get them to engage in all the elements of the culture, not just rapping, not just mm -hmm. beat making, but everything. We're tying in themes of social justice. We're tying in themes of tolerance and multiculturalism, mindfulness, um, emotional intelligence, all the things that we already kind of know as a practitioner in this culture for decades are kind of embedded in hip hop expression. But when you have to talk to school administrators and principals who are predominantly white and not of our ilk, you have to kind of tie that in, right? <laughs> yeah, factual, factual. What are some of the things, uh, you know, maybe I guess now, you know, now is fine, but past, present, maybe future. Mm -hmm. Some of those in practice ways that you connect with the with young people uh, particularly. I know you're involved in the school systems and then you do some outside of school programming, correct? Yeah, so we're, I mean, we, we cover the gamut. So our, our main kind of priority is being in schools. And I think it's important for students in their journey in terms of education, their academic careers, but also their journey of self-discovery 
to see artists practitioners in their classrooms, see artists of color in their classrooms who can provide that level of education that's at par with their English teacher or their math teacher or whatever the case is. Um, so that's kind of our, our main focus. Outside of that, we do progressive hip hop events. So over the last two years, we've done things like a Women's Empowerment Summit, uh, Environmental Justice Summit, which is one of our flagship events. We do uh, hip hop summer camps where we teach kids about the environment and environmentalism, environmental racism, all of that. But then we pay them to put together hip hop projects so that's one of our flagship programs called Agents of Change. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, we just continue to do community-based hip-hop events that are, for the most part, all ages. So if there is no age barrier to participate in some of the events that we have going on. Um, and, and we really try to make our spaces communal in that we are, we are really getting down to the root of what hip-hop culture is about, is to empower the community. Right. And one thing that I recognize as as an artist is like how we're a billion dollar industry and we shout out, you know, we're straight out of Compton, we're straight out of Uptown, we're straight out of the Bronx, we're straight out of this place or that place. But then when you go to those spaces, they look the same as the struggles that we came up with in the 80s, the 90s, if they're not already gentrified and it's not like we're the ones doing the gentrification. So the question I always ask rhetorically and, and practically is, how do we improve the neighborhoods that produce the artists that produce this culture? You know what I mean? And I think that we're uniquely positioned to provide um, an answer to that and yeah. hope to use it as a proof of concept moving forward. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, I was say, you know, I was going to play this, you know, uh, I was going to play white devil's advocate and say, why? Why? <laughs> and I was going to say, why? You could teach kids about environmentalism without using hip hop and da da da. But you've already kind of explained that like this sort of immersion, this sort of intersection uh, is a is a more powerful way to do that. Can you just for the naysayers, for someone who's listening for the first time and saying, I don't know about, you know, hip hop being used to teach and empower. What does that mean? And just, you know, give. Give folks the lay the layman's version of empowering people through hip hop. Yes, yeah, certainly. So it really comes down to the who and the how, as far as I'm concerned, right? Okay. The who is who are we trying to empower? Who are we trying to educate? And a right. lot of that, uh, in many cases, are you know young people of color who are right. for the most part disenfranchised as it relates to their political system, their education system. They don't feel they have a voice. They don't see themselves represented in the history, the content of of their education or anything. So to bring people of color who, and but with that said, they all, for the most part, identify or are familiar with hip hop culture. Right. So to bring that as the means of kind of bringing young people into the fold of these more sophisticated and nuanced subjects and issues that, that we are all confronting and that they have to inherit at their mm-hmm. young age, right? I think it's important to have what we call culturally responsive, but more particularly culturally affirmative programming. Right. Right. Culturally responsive in that we are using a medium of expression you are familiar with to educate you about concepts that may be foreign to you. Number one. Number two, recognizing and identifying that the culture and your lived experience actually has value in the education space. And we can use your lived experience in, in many cases as metaphor for you to grasp some of these concepts. So when you talk to educators who may not be familiar with the term culturally responsive pedagogy or may not see how it's actually um, put into practice, 
you give them these ideas, right? Uh, when we started the Agents of Change program about six years ago, shout out to my co-founder, uh, Constance Taylor, who worked for the East Bay Regional Parks District. She's an environmentalist to the bone, but right. she's also a hip hop head. Right. So right. <laughs> she came to us just kind of ideating on how do we, how do we partner? How do we collaborate? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, hip hop started in parks. Right. That, that was kind of the auspice by which we started everything. Uh, for that program. And again, it's our flagship program. We've ran it around. We've ran it now for five years constantly. We've we've expanded it more and more. We're bringing more kids into the fold of that community. Um, And we're seeing amazing things happen outside of that. Kids are doing murals. Kids are performing. um, But all with a sense of environmental awareness and responsibility and all the other things that we try to uh, implement. Yeah, brilliant work. Let's take it back a little bit. Young Marlin. Yeah. <laughs> what did what was young Marlon doing? Where was he? What was he getting into that led him down this path? I'm sure it's, you know, we didn't come up yesterday. It's a long right. path. You can give me the truncated version. Uh totally. but give me give me the bullet points of, you know, your life and travels, uh, you know, to, that got you to this point. Yeah. Um, I'm a boy from Washington Heights, New York City, right? Um, right above Harlem, right across from the Bronx. Um, I I grew up and was groomed in not only the birthplace of hip hop, but the golden era of hip hop, right? I'm an 80s baby going into the 90s. Um, And I used rap for myself as a unique way of making sense of my upbringing. Like that was my way of kind of like making sense of my life. I, I grew up with a woman who was Jewish, predominantly, you know, white. So I, I'm a, I'm a dark skin Dominican kid, Afro Latino, growing up in these predominantly white spaces. So I'm often caused or made to like reflect inwardly and be mm. very introspective and hyper aware of my surroundings. Um, mm. But when you see artists like a Rakim or KRS One at 10 years old, you see people who look like you exude this level of confidence and this level of awareness that you aspire to become. And I started just using rap to make sense of my own life as a a, a creative outlet and really just rapping to myself. I wasn't trying to get famous. Nobody knew (laughs) I rapped really, you know what I mean? But then come, you know, 1994, Illmatic album drops. The song, The World Is Yours is on Hot 97 and all of that. My cousin got the vinyl and he's playing it on his DJ equipment in in his house. And that's where the bug struck me, right? Mm. Writing book of rhymes or the words past the margin. I'm literally going to Woolworth the next day to buy rhyme books. Shout out to those people who are old enough to remember Woolworth. That's right. That's <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? So, and that just started my journey. You know what I'm saying? From then on, like I was really trying to just become a really good rapper. That involved me going into mm. libraries and reading books from mm. cover to cover, um, expanding my vocabulary to find words to articulate not only how I was feeling, but what I was thinking. And having that language just made, it it became a superpower in the midst of all my friends, in the midst of the performing arts high school that I was at. Like, it just became this thing where it's like, oh, me being able to talk can get me into rooms that most people like me or who look like me aren't able to get in. So I'm going to use this. I'm going to really leverage this to go as far as humanly possible from the fates that would be prescribed for me otherwise, right? That's that's a pretty profound. That's a pretty profound thing to make, you know, to connect in your, in your mind when you're younger, when a lot of folks were just trying to rap to be famous, you know what I mean? Or trying to rap yeah, to be, I, but, but, but for you to say, this is a, you already noticing that this is providing me with life skills outside of whether I become a star or not. Right. 100%. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think part of your 
adolescent goal is to become famous and get some level of gratification that you may not get in your own in your life but right. for me it was it was there was a transformational opportunity and if there's one thing that i can remember from being that young is i wanted to make myself better right i i moved away from the woman who raised me back to my biological mom in the city in new york and one of the things that were being told to me by older people is you're going to end up either dead or in jail. It's like a scare tactic, right? Because of this radical decision that I made at such a young age. Um, and I wanted to prove them wrong. So as much as I would like to say it was all high-minded and sophisticated was no, I wanted <laughs> okay. to prove people wrong, right? You, if you think I'm going to be a criminal, I'm going to be the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm going to be hyper-intellectual, hyper-mindful, and I'm going to be extremely talented. And that's what I worked towards doing my entire high school career. I interned at Loud Records, Bad Boy Records, all the record labels that you could think of, just trying to get on and learn the music industry, but right. not, not for the sake of the music industry, for the sake of the culture loving the culture and knowing the elements and trying to like find a happy medium in my life between superstardom and cultural and, 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 and community responsibility. I love it. A lot of people from our particular kind of age range or era that pursued the arts also yeah. feel that we, we, we vibe with that. That was a thing. When, when cool. did you first say, when in the intersection of education or saying as a, as a technique for learning, as a space for learning, as a tool for learning or teaching, like when did that thing happen? Um, in two instances. Yeah. The first one was when I was 15, I was tapped by my math teacher in high school to write a script that involved turning rap rules or math rules into mm. raps uh, in order okay. to learn. So I wrote a script that then became the film Rapmatics. This was a academic film that was offered in catalogs all throughout the country. And it was produced by Derek Phillips. Shout out to Derek Phillips. He was my, uh, I think he was my 10th grade math teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, like that, I started automatically linking the, the, the value of hip hop in educational spaces, right? right. Me writing that script kind of put me on that road. Uh, but then outside of that, I wouldn't get that bug again until I was in my 30s. And um, in 2014, I was blessed to go to an artist retreat of sorts in Havana, Cuba. And there, mm -hmm. not only did we do cultural exchange where we learned, I learned Afro-Cuban drumming, I learned some salsa, but we were also encouraged to teach people what we knew as a songwriter. Um, as a beat maker. So there was this like healthy cultural exchange that was going on that allowed me to not only teach what I know to other people, but then be aligned and be around mm. other people who were using art as education, mm. whether they were dancers, filmmakers, right. whatever the case is, I'm in a group of people who are literally teaching artists. Yeah. So within a year of that trip, that was 2014, so it's almost 10 years. Within a year of that trip, I quit my normal nine to five day job and I started becoming just an artist educator, teaching yeah. songwriting, teaching beat making. Um, shout out to Today's Future Sound. They gave me the opportunity to like really get in there and volunteer and do all of that. That was the start. That's dope. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's funny. All the years of being a practitioner, I was a, I, I rapped for a little while. Uh, I, had a, I was a beat maker. I had a home studio. I did demo tapes for the local cats, that kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I made remixes for a bunch of years. So I was kind of in the mix. But it wasn't until I was running Birthplace Magazine when I was, I was journaling the, the New York City scene when I even understood that teaching artists was a thing. Yeah. You know, like teaching or the concept of a teaching artist. Like we don't hear enough about that. Totally. 
Totally. Meanwhile, you're I'm, doing it like decades, you know, ago. But there's people out there that were doing it before you that put you on. You know what I mean? Like totally. I mean, I went to. I'm a product of a performing arts high school. All my teachers right. were teaching artists. Right. <laughs> right, right like right. that's so. That's like the kind of like the thing is like my teachers were telling me about auditions and telling me about other things that they were working on aside from being in my classroom. Yeah. So I combined the two, and then one of my best friends kind of took that lead way well before I started. Right. right. My friend Steph Reed was a he's singer songwriter and was going to schools and doing workshops and the whole bit. So I knew that there was like a, there was a there there. <laughs> right. I knew that people were doing it. I right. didn't know how successful it was. I didn't know in what proximity to the music industry that I wanted to be part of right, it right, was. Right. So you don't really kind of flock to it. But when you're having an existential crisis in the way that I did by the time I'm in Cuba, <laughs> you just want something new. Right. And right. it's like, well, let me go back to. What Cuba awakened for me was that that 15 year old that wanted to just express himself and be around a community of people who got it and were willing to give that expertise or that experience to the next generation. So that's what it that's what it awoke in me about 10 years ago. Shouts to that one teacher, because there's always that one teacher. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Shouts to Andrew Wang in the uh, in the chat uh, who says his high school teacher was teaching about crossing genomes using crisscross, <laughs> you know, you he, says, he says, I never liked science until that lesson. Uh, and that's, you know, that's clever stuff. You know, we talk about uh, the ability of, of hip hop to be, as you said, you know, you write a, a rap about math rules and you learn the material. It's, it's rote memorization, but it's funky and it's dope. And, and that's how we learn. We learn from the beginning with children, ABC, the ABC totally. song is a rap song. It's, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> a melody and it rhymes. You're 100% you know? right. It so would, we learned it would, it, would, it would be similar to like a, a little baby song nowadays. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, exactly. hundred percent. So we, we, it's, that's in our DNA as humans. You know, I think that works across the board. That's in our DNA. That's how we learn the cleanup song, things like that. Songs, rhymes, et cetera. But what's great about what happens to the next level is you start to see other skills like critical thinking. And, you know, these, these are skills that, that can come out of the same practices. It's not just rote memorization and repetitiveness, but it's critical thinking. It's social and emotional learning. It's other, you know, just by being either an artist, a teaching artist, or an artist with intent, right? Is that, that, that sound right? I think that, yeah, I think that rings true for me. I think for me, I've always been an artist with intent. I'm hyper intentional about what it is that I want to say and what it is I want to give to the world. So I think having intention behind your educational approach right like you said we always have that one teacher who's super prepared they know what they want they know what they have do nows lined up for the next three months they know what source material they want to use to convey specific points or philosophies um and i've always been i've always responded well to those kind of teachers right the captain my captain dead poet society type teachers (laughs) who can literally transform your life with a conversation um but that's off the heels of being kind of aware of the malcolms of the world the marcus garvey's of the world like responding to those kind of personalities right like in lieu of me having a dad reading the autobiography of malcolm x was my father right Mm. watching bob marley was my father these kind of iconic people, even Bruce Lee. Like these are people who I were drawn to because I needed that level of energy in my life. Mm. Um, But then fast forward as an educator, I try to have that that kind of that transformative approach as well. And then I build it into the curriculum that I I develop. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching or listening, because we will put this on the audio feed, 
We're talking to Marlon Richardson, a.k.a. Unlearn the World, uh, the education director uh, of an organization called Hip Hop for Change based out in the Bay. Unlearn the world. Give me a, a, a synopsis of the derivation of that moniker. Look at those big words. I, I should be an educator. <laughs> you was killing it. Like, that Come was like 25 cent words. Let's over go. Oh, <laughs> oh, hats off to you for that one. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so many things at this point, right? Like, it's a brand. It's all these. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's a lot of different things. Uh, yes, I I think, when you were when coming on, I was like, it's a concept, but it's also a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I yeah. think I like to lean more towards a concept because person personalities are, are, you know, I try not to get into the cult of personality. You could like me as a person, but sure. love the concept that is unlearn the world. So my, one of my favorite movies is Higher Learning by John Singleton. Um, the late, great John Singleton. It had Ice Cube. It had Busta Rhymes. It had Omar Epps from Juice in it. Had pretty much all the stars of today in Black Hollywood were in that movie in one way or another. Right. And I, I not only identified with some of those characters, but I wanted to be those characters, right? right. And yeah. at the end of the movie, in bright, big bright red letters, it says unlearn. <laughs> and that's, that word, when I was watching this movie at like 13, 14 years old, was really like interesting. So as I started developing my artistry, I was always nicknamed Un. It was short for unorthodox because I was a battle rapper. I was going borough to borough, going to projects I shouldn't have been in, trying to see who's the dopest. And so it was unorthodox. And then I sh cut that short to be Un. And people nicknamed me Un. When I was trying to get a record deal, I knew that unorthodox was way too complex. So it was Un. <laughs> <laughs> but then as an independent artist getting ready to put out my first album or start putting out projects, I said, you know what? I want something that actually means something. So I'm going to hearken mm. back to this word I saw at this, in my favorite movie, right. Unlearn. And that's what I'm going to use. But then trying to put out music, there was a, a group up in Canada also called Unlearn, and I didn't want us to be confused, right? I'm more hardcore hip-hop, and they were like ambient house. It was like two different worlds. Okay. Uh, so the song that made me want to rap was The World Is Yours by Nas. So I combined the two just as like a thing for me, like Unlearn the World, but then it became this concept. This became yeah. what, I, what I now like to call my life's work, is to break down the societal conditioning that we are all embedded with, right? We come into this world and no sooner than we are born, you are bombarded with expectations and definitions of yourself. People are telling you, history is telling you, your classroom is telling you who you are or what's expected of you, whether you're a person of color, whether you're in an affluent white neighborhood, people are telling you who you should be and what they're expecting of you. And me just kind of very resistant to that idea that my destiny should be laid out by people who are who not who are not me. Right. Um, always try to I always tried to buck that. So for me, it's it's just kind of a calling to not only break down societal con conditioning, but break down the myths and the lies that you are telling yourself that are rooted in some experience that no longer serves you, and and to really call account and call attention to behavior patterns and forms of thinking that are inhibiting you from reaching your true potential as a person. Right. Um, so the more I understand that concept and the more I see that name on my merch or on the album cover, it reminds me of the growth work that is necessary for me, let alone yeah. anybody else, in order for us to reach our full potential. Yeah, that's dope. That's, uh, that's a lot better uh, than when I wanted to pick a rap name and it was between <laughs> Manny Faces or Dick Dastardly. 
So, I would have went with Manny Faces. See, that's what I'm saying. It's not as <laughs> not as deep, and uh, you know, actually, I do have a little backstory, but I like your backstory. I like your your moniker's uh, backstory. I appreciate that. Uh, going back to the educational space uh, or, or the educational work you do, uh, especially with the the way you go into schools and work with young folks, I like to ask this about anybody kind of in our positions. Uh, I do some of the same stuff when we go in or we talk to young people and then we see the results that, you know, don't often get the uh, media attention. We don't get written up. You don't get written up as much as you should. Your organization doesn't get the press it deserves, you know, but you see things in there that, that every time you do it, it lets you know, man, this works. So it's an anecdote. It's not, don't give me stats. Don't give me a research survey. Just tell me something that makes your heart sing. When you work with some young people, you've come across something, you've done something and you're like, man, this hip hop thing is so good at this it's so good for this just give me some something yeah. pops in your head i'm sure you have oh uh, i mean there's so many light bulb moments right we're looking as an educator you're looking for the light bulb moment when a kid reads or understands a concept and they get it and their brain is like whoa right um i just had one of those i've, I've been teaching a songwriting class called lyricist lounge at uh, open school of the arts it's one of the premier performing arts high schools in the bay area um new semester just got a new student we're talking about songwriting, extremely talented student, right? Right. And as I'm introducing concepts that I adhere to as a songwriter, I see his brain just go like, like what? Whoa, mm. like he's bugging out. He's, he's unable to hold himself in his seat because the things that I'm telling him are resonating with him mm. um, as a songwriter who does the work. But right. I've seen that time and again, I've seen it with other educators in our team who teach classes and have a whole group of fifth graders really cheering each other along as they recite their group rap that they came right. up with together. Right. Uh, the, culminating, <laughs> the culminating events of our Agents of Change program where after a week of learning about the environment and learning hip hop, it all comes together for these kids to write these rap songs and to support one another, right? Whether they're dancing, whether they're singing, those are the moments that I'm just like, this is what this culture is about. These are the transformative qualities. Or even the emails that I get from students years later saying, hey, you came to my school to teach a beat making class. I love beat making now, I'm working on it. I'm, you know, I'm producing right. with uh, other kids, things of that nature. When I'm working on an album and one of the kids or one of the people playing the keys on my album is somebody I taught in seventh grade. Right. Right. And now we're collaborators. Like these are the anecdotes that you're talking about that become increased, that, that become a challenge to quantify in statistics and data and all the things that predominantly white philanthropic spaces want in order to give you money to do what you're already doing. Right, right, right. No, I got you. Uh, You know, very, a running theme, a recurring theme throughout the entirety of this podcast and the folks that I've talked to, many of which, you know, you know, and, and we've crossed paths with has always been mm-hmm. that translation. You know, how do yep. we translate what we inherently know as hip hop heads, as hip hop based people? We know this stuff. We, we I, I don't know how to explain this, but that's part of the job is to now explain it. You have to quantify it. You have to write, you know, translate it to the terminology that they use. And that exactly that's a difficult challenge and it segues nicely. I wanted to switch gears right quick. Uh, sure. I hope I have you for a little bit more time. Yeah, um, I'm here. I'm here. To the phil- and you, it's perfect because it's the philanthropic part of it. Now, you didn't come into the organization, I happen to know. You didn't come in as an executive director. You didn't come in in charge, right? No, you came no, in right. as the education director and then you assumed the role. There was a shakeup in the organization. You assumed the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that you're not perfectly fit for it, but it wasn't your intent. 
right. what challenges have you come to know being in that seat for, you know, a, a philanthropic, a 5013C, trying to do the fundraising thing, trying to do the donor class kind of work, totally. but, with, but around hip hop. I know there's challenges to that. And I know there's other folks that watch that are part of 5013Cs. I have one. I haven't even started doing all that stuff yet because I know it's a whole different world. It's a whole different ballgame. So totally. what are some of the challenges you've seen? How do you navigate them? What's your just gist of, you know, being in that in that position? Yeah, I mean, it was an opportunity to be educated. Like I, I had to do a lot of education very fast. So I was right. really like talking to mentors. I was researching things. I was up late on YouTube, like learning just organizational structure for a nonprofit. And then pairing that with what I know is baked in our ethos as an organization, right? And I'm not all the way there yet, right? Like it's only been my first four year into this. And right. up until now, I was completely cool being middle management. <laughs> like I was completely <laughs> right. cool. Like just give me my curriculum. Let me do right. the thing here and go into classes it. and I'm cool. So to have this like weight of responsibility is it's nothing that's lost on me. You have to deal with different people and varying personalities and being able to manage that, build coalition towards a common goal, yeah. reach deadlines, have relationships and communicate with donors or high-end donors. Um, you know, I thank God that I have a lot of help. We have an amazing volunteer base. We have an amazing volunteer HR coordinator who told me like the rules of like, this is what you should be doing in terms of offering people jobs, right? right. A development coordinator saying, hey, you need to meet with this person who's been donating thousands of dollars every year and never heard from anybody, right? right. Like that's these kind of things. Like these are things that you just kind of, it's almost like the baptism by fire. You're just doing yeah. it. And, and again, learning. this organization is not scheduled. This organization has been around for a while. It's not like it just came up. Right. It's, it's yeah, legit. It's had, you know, you've done your years. 990s. You've done all your things. We are established. I'm doing <laughs> yeah. the 990s, the taxes, like all yeah, of those I, I get things. It. It's, not, but yeah. it's, just, it's just diving in. For me, it was about diving in and just learning an additional part of what's going to make the work that I love yeah. better and function yeah. better. And, you know, what's helped, what's, and this is, this is a very funny story. So I worked for 10 years. I was a licensed life and health broker doing insurance, right? Okay. Music industry chewed me up, spit me out. I moved to California from 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 the hood, Washington Heights, right. and um, I had had a temp job as an insurance file clerk, and I was using that temp job on my resume to get other insurance jobs. And then I landed in this job that actually gave me a career. So I learned about business and how to run a business by working in a completely different industry mm. for ten years. And even though I hated that job every day of my life. Interesting. There are things that I do now in my day to day that I'm like, had I not had that job, I would be completely lost here. Mm, right. Right. And, but what's so interesting is when I started that job, it was the day it was it was the I was my my interview. It was like my first day working and my boss is asking me questions. He goes, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want to do in five years? And I told him very just like matter of factly, I said, I want to run a nonprofit that helps kids and gives them life skills. I had no intention of joining a nonprofit or being, it was just something that I said because I just kind of felt it. It yeah. didn't, it took longer than five years, but Fair we enough. landed exactly where we landed. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Right. Um, so I always think, I always hearken back to that because it was like, all right, I was setting out my intention then and still. And the yeah. purpose of me having that job was to give me the skills that I now apply today. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, you know how they say the, you know, sometimes you, 
the the saying with the one door closes and open door another. Exactly. I mean, it's true though. Like when or you, it just gives you, you think, keys to another house. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it really does. You know, everything is a is a conglomeration of what you've picked up along the way. And if you keep you know head in some general direction, you're going to end up in a place where all of these you know skills, talents, and experiences kind of come together, and uh, and give you something you know to work with. One just want to say. Just want to say, listen, if you're listening on the audio feed, I'm going to shout some people out that are in the chat. Uh, just want to say, you know, hi from them to you, uh, Unlearn the World. Uh, but sure. if you're listening, you should be checking us out on YouTube. We're every Monday night live. Go to hiphopcasaveamerica.com slash watch. Uh, Carla A is in the building. That's the new friend of the room. Uh, and she said happy birthday to us Aquarius. So I appreciate that. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, my son Wayne, Aquarius. That's what's up. Let's go. So is my daughter. Baby girl face. The world famous baby girl faces. Birthday is uh, Wednesday. Uh, Andrew Wang says you're the education grandmaster of hip hop. I like that. You should um, bless his that, soul. He, put that on a chain. Dude. Cortez, yeah, good. Cortez Watson's in the uh, in the building. Uh, of course, uh, we saw AJ Woodson before. Uh, I know that uh, Jerome Enders is in here and uh, Reyes Romero. A bunch of people checking in, just giving you good uh, good feedback, man. You'll see it all later. Shouts to Zeps. Zeps is in the house. Uh, do you know Zeps? Oh, my God, what's up yeah. with Zeps, man? Yep, my yeah. God. You're in the way. People, uh, Elliot, uh, Elliot Gann is being shouted out, of course. Elliot Gann Salute. from uh, t- uh, Today's Future Today's Sound. Future Sound. Salute, yeah. Nate, D- Nate Novato, my guy, is up it's in the show. Yep, he's been on the show as well. It's like a family reunion up in here. Like, what's going I love on? It. I love it. I love Let's it, go. yeah. You know, it, many hands makes for light work. It's just I'm, I'm always reassured <laughs> when I see you at events, when I see when I'm ever, anytime I'm working with Nate or anybody, it's like full circle moments, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just being around people who want to do this work and want to do it on a grand scale and are yep. really true to the culture. It's always refreshing. Tell me, um, you talked about seeing us at events. What is coming up? If, if anything, like besides the programming or matter of fact, talk about the programming that's coming up. I know you've got something going on with uh, our good friends at the hip hop education center. Uh, that's, that's yes. something brewing. So anything new and, and bubbling and popping, I saw something today. I'm on top of it. I see everything. Y'all, I see everything happens in this hip hop world. You got like, uh, some least space. You guys are going to open up. Yeah. I see everything. So, so tell me all the new things that are happening. So, okay. First and yeah. foremost, because we were talking about quantifying the efficacy of hip hop, right? Yes, sir. Shout out to Martha Diaz and the hip hop education center and the Love California Martha. department of education. Yep. We have partnered with them to support the research that Martha is doing in terms of providing that case, those case studies and that research and collecting the data that can show the efficacy of hip hop education work. I know we talked about it, but it is important to have the, the receipts. Exactly. I get it. Um, and, and supporting that work so it, it moves into the bigger picture of CTE, career training equivalency, right? So we right. can build pipelines from middle school onward in the academic careers of young people in terms of getting jobs within hip-hop culture. And I always say hip-hop culture instead of just like the entertainment industry because as it relates to hip-hop and the entertainment industry, we can see those areas where hip-hop, especially young people, are exploited. So it's very delicate in that respect. But nonetheless, as a hip hop practitioner within the culture of, or the industry of the culture, there are mm. so many careers that you can have, right? Yeah. Aside from rapping or making a beat, you can be an engineer, you can be a journalist. You, we now have broadcasting in our pocket, right? There's so many hip hop podcasts and TV shows and things of that nature. Um, it just makes sense to be able to create these pipelines, right? And right. it, it, it I don't want to say it legitimizes us, but it does serve as showing that hip hop is a viable career field, 
where yeah. I had to struggle explaining this to my mother when I told her I wanted <laughs> right. to be a rapper. Yeah. My, right. my dad, my brother, my dad, the distinguished professor of sociology. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to make these beats, bro. Like, I'm going to make yeah, it Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Or when I tell my parents that I'm, I'm presenting at a college or whatever, they go, they pay you for that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you don't have I don't even have a degree and I'm doing it. So, you know, they're like, what the yeah, hip hop? They don't, they don't get it. It's, it's a, you right. know, it's an antiquated linear thinking that, that does not include and factor in how this culture has grown. So we have yeah. that partnership. Shout out to Martha Diaz and everybody yeah. doing that work. Um, aside from that, we have partnered with the San Francisco Parks and Recreation to do an amazing program called Hip Hop in the Park, where we are providing a series of workshops in all the elements of hip hop. And we are giving kids a stipend to come learn um, in each of these different fields. So if you want to be a songwriter, you live in San Francisco, 18 to 24, come through, pull up. We're going to you're going to learn from artists, mentors, all of these different things. We also have our pipeline to positivity program, which is very similar uh, to the to the hip hop in the park program, only it's it's focuses on systems impacted youth. So kids who are in GED programs, alternative high schools, who are currently on probation, who are the children of incarcerated people, those are the kids we want to come into this program. And then they also get paid a stipend to participate in a series of workshops that give them career skills. It's kind mm -hmm. of like hip hop workforce development. Nice. Um, and all of this ties into what you just recently said. We just signed the lease on a uh, film, music, and content creation studio. We've already had one for right. the last three years. We now expanded to a bigger space. So instead of just one floor where you can do stuff, we have two whole floors that are going to be dedicated to kids coming in and filming content, recording music or podcasts, learning how to that, do that, film mm -hmm. editing, um, shooting music videos or doing photography yeah. work. Um, set design, all of these different things that we now need, right? Right, because like, like you said, you, we have these things, you need these support, exactly. you need the support staff, yeah. So imagine you have your program or you come to on location in San Francisco to do Hip Hop Can Save America, right? That'd be, that'd be nice. Imagine having young people, <laughs> yep. high school kids, yep. designing your set right. and running your broadcast. This is yeah. that's that's the hope and the goal and the objective. We're launching a 24-7 radio show that's gonna be primarily focused on independent and local hip hop artists. Right. So you know what I'm saying? You when you can't get on the clear channel network and you don't want right. to pay payola, send that heat <laughs> over here. We'll slap right. it. We'll give you shout outs. We you know, where we want to give artists their own platforms to broadcast and curate their own music. And but you know, it's really geared towards young people. When I say young people, I'm not, you know. 24 and under is what we consider young. Right. Yes or no, whatever the case is. But with that <laughs> said, we also provide resources for local hip hop artists, right? So if you right. want to learn more about branding, you want to learn more about building your audience, or you just want to give back to your community, which is the main yeah. thing, right? Like right. we have those opportunities either as a volunteer or even to get paid to go and teach what you know in yeah. our classrooms, to be trained. We have a training um onboarding program where you want to learn. We, we teach you about culturally responsive pedagogy. We teach you about the hip hop history of hip hop if you don't already know. We right. give you the professional development tools as an educator in terms of best practices in classroom management, dynamic mindfulness, trauma-informed care, nonviolent communication. We are retrofitting you as an individual to go and teach your craft to the next generation. There you go. All the things, as they say. All the things. All the things. <laughs> Um, it's really dope work. I'm, you know, really impressive uh, uh, gamut, like you said before. 
you're, you're hitting all kind of age ranges, you hit all the, the important factors uh, and you're in the schools, but you're also developing community-based stuff. It's all the things. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll come back to that at the end and tell people what they need to do to follow up with the organization and get involved, whatever they want to do. In the meantime, before we get out of here, tell me about The God That Sins. Ah, yes. The album. The album that I just released called The God That Sins. Um, this is my sixth official album. Put out mixtapes before that, but this is my sixth album. Um, and it's I'm really proud of this work. I'm really proud of this album. It, it, it has a slew of features. It's probably the most feature-heavy album I've ever created. So yep. we're talking Ghostface Killer. We're talking Benny the Butcher. We're talking mm-hmm. The Voice of Five Nine. We're talking a posthumous verse from Sean Price. Uh, <laughs> along with a lovely, amazing group of uh, vocalists that are based in the Bay Area, Alexandra, the author, Rizzo, Isaiah Mostafa, even, you know, some of the OGs of the culture in the Bay Area, Deepsa Benjoko, part of, you oh, know, yeah. uh, founder of Hip Hop Chess Federation, right. uh, 64 mm-hmm. Blocks, all of these different things. He has a nice little cameo on the album. He's my my big brother. I, I, I love him, man. Um, but yeah, I, it, it was an album that I've been working on for the last year. Uh, and it really started from one song. The first song, Walk on Fire, I, I, the bar that I start the song off with is life is filled with new beginnings. Talking to the God that sins within me is my new religion. And mm. when I thought of that bar and it just came to me, I was like, this is the concept for the album, right? And when I say the God that sins, it could, it could, it could be very heavy. But what I'm ultimately meaning is, you know, humanity, mankind, our mm. ability to create and our ability to build that matches our capacity and our ability to completely destroy, mm. right? That is yeah. the God that sins, trying to find and align with your higher self all the while recognizing your shortcomings, your flaws, and diligently working towards fixing them. But you can't mm. fix them until you identify them and really process where they come from, why they happen, all of these different things. So it's a to be the God that sins is the path of, of self-discovery that I think we're all on one way or another. Right. And um, I wanted to chronicle that with what I go through, right? Mm-hmm. Being in this kind of new position, um, all the things that came with that, all the, the responses to um, whatever success I'm having or perceived to have. You know, just making that transition from one level to another and, and what the weight of responsibility that comes with, the the isolation that comes with that in many cases, mm. just unpacking a lot emotionally, spiritually, mentally, but then also speaking to our social issues as a culture, speaking to social issues that are happening around the world, um, just kind of unpacking a lot in 17 tracks that run right. just about an hour. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Dope Project, uh, caught, I've definitely run through it. Uh, we. Andrew Wang says he bought it on Bandcamp. It's super dope. Thank you. Uh, and that was another thing. Like, I put it out on Bandcamp. I never put out music on Bandcamp. Right. Like so I put it out on Bandcamp before I put it out on streaming services. And the response and the support with dollars, with people actually buying products point, in the world yeah. where it was amazing. That was overwhelming yeah. for me to see how many people were like, you know, and I've been kind of testing, like, who actually buys music anymore? Right. And sure enough, there is a market. People still buy it. And they buy it, especially when it's good. And, you know, not by my own standards, but by their standards. So if they think it's good, <laughs> they, you know, and I, and more particularly, I said, pay what you want. So like, you can pay what you, how, however good you think this is it. 
okay. know what I'm saying? Where some people paid $7, other people paid $10, other people paid 100 some people paid 50 some people, you know, it really comes down to like democratizing the price setting. Um, right. And that worked <laughs> out for yeah. me. <laughs> that it worked out for me. So I appreciate <laughs> everybody who bought it. Anybody who listened, you, any Andrew, anybody and, who supported the project. And, so Andrew's far. very. He wants to let it be known. I paid full album price. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate that. One time for Andrew Wang. Always supporting. <laughs> uh, um. So that's all right. So that's it's a good project. It's great. Thank you. Are, are you? And I know you are. <laughs> you are traveling a little bit to support the project. Is that true? Yes, I think this is probably the really great space to announce it. Um, yeah, I'm going on a world tour. Oh, <laughs> I, world this is my tour. first time going to Europe promoting an album. So in addition to some dates that we have locked in here in the States, I'll be going to Scotland. I'll be going to London. I'll be going to Manchester. Um, I think there's an opportunity for me to go to Germany as well as France. So we're, we're, we're getting all these dates lined up. I think the majority of the dates are lined up and the, the bigger Part of that is that I'll be touring with Jizza from Mute. Mm. Um, so I'll be supporting him on his on the tour that he's already on, doing right. spot dates. Um, and oh. this will be my first time going out to Europe uh, performing. Mm. And That's this great. is something people have been telling me I had to do for years. Like, yo, you need to be out in Europe. So <laughs> I've heed the call. I'm coming to Europe. <laughs> those, and this those will all Europe- be the month of February. Yeah. Those Europeans love cerebral hip hop. They, they like- really do. <laughs> they, they really, really do. do. So yeah. let's let's see how much they, they they love this. I think they they're going to. But uh, that's very yeah, dope. I'm I'm happy about that. And then um I'll be putting together a, a presentation, a lecture. The last album I did when I saw you at uh, Harvard, I had just dropped an album called Crowns, yep. and I developed a lecture around the concepts in that album and the themes of that album. That's what I presented over at Harvard. So I'm right. hoping to do the same at universities around the country this year. Um, the focus with this particular presentation will be all the socio-spiritual movements that influence the culture we now call hip-hop, right? Whether it's Nation of Islam, Five Percenters, Zulu Nation, Hebrew Israelites, like just the, 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 the concepts around collective responsibility, collectivism as it relates to people of color and that tradition of collectivism, juxtaposed to the individualism that we see in the capitalism that happens in the United States. Right. So kind of exploring these concepts and then seeing how they've tied into the themes that I present in the album. Yeah, I think Europeans will like that, but we'll like that, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very worldly, it's a very worldly, you know, look, it's a very worldly look at at things. And, you know, exactly. I think it's I think it's important. I think it's important that we we want to take our culture back. We have to really just kind of realign our sense of collectivism. Interesting. Um, and the us, not just I, right? Like, Interesting. You know, people, people get hundreds of millions of dollars and leave the hood and then the hood's still messed up. Whereas yeah. like, if you have a sense of collect, I, I submit that if you have a sense of collective responsibility, if and when you get that hundred million dollars, you know what to do for your people, right? Yeah. Not saying you're obligated to, but I mean, come on. <laughs> come I get it. Like, I, get, I understand that. I understand yeah. that rationale. That's, a, that's yeah. interesting. That's a longer discussion, but it's it's a, it's one that I think is is definitely worth touching upon uh, in the way in the way you're doing it. We'll have that conversation, I suspect, in the future. I, I, I like delving into those topics. Um, and let me just, as we you know, wind down, that kind of parlays to a question that I usually ask at the end of these episodes or these interviews mm-hmm. or these conversations, these chit chats, whatever you want to call it. What I want to say is, 
I named the show and, and all derivations of it, Hip Hop Can Save America. And yes, people, I know Hip Hop Can Save the World. I got that domain name too. Support this so we can do that. All right. <laughs> they always come at me. Hip Hop Can Save the World too. I'm like, I know. Can y'all, can y'all do the I mean, Patreon yeah, like, and then we could do that next? Exactly. Um, let me get the book out. Anyway, um, but the, but it is a lofty, it's a it's a lofty idea, right? That hip hop can save America. There's a lot to to it. Like, save it from what? I remember uh who was it? Someone, I think maybe it's Dr. A. D. Carson. We know A. D. Carson, who was like mm -hmm. that, you know, whether we want it to be saved or can be saved. So all these things. I feel that, you know, hip hop has this unique ability to affect humanity in a positive way. Certainly Agreed. this goes across the board and, and universal and worldwide, but most particularly and perhaps most importantly, helping uplift the lives and livelihoods and communities of, you know, those from whence hip hop came. Now, 100%. So, like, but, but definitely across the board, it's one of those, you know, things. So without giving you too much of my preachiness, which you've already heard me say probably in the past, what is your interpretation? When I say hip hop could save America, tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me why. Tell me what you think of when you hear that phrase. Yeah. I mean, I think we're very much aligned and we recognize the transformative nature of the culture that we love so dearly, right? Like that's number one. I don't think there's anybody in the chat or watching this that doesn't believe that hip hop has this transformative power. So now that we've recognized the transformative power, it's transforming what? What are we right. transforming, right? We're transforming ourselves first and foremost. I always say that hip hop is remix culture. When I introduce yes. the history of hip hop to young kids or even kids at the collegiate level, I say, you need to understand that hip hop is remix culture. Grandmaster right. Cass said hip hop did not invent anything. It reinvented everything. So as remix culture, what you are ultimately remixing by engaging in these elements is yourself. You are retrofitting yourself for the life that you are about to manifest and having the ability to articulate your desires, your intentions, and everything. Having the language to process your emotions gives you that ability to transform yourself. By transforming yourself, you can then transform the communities and the circumstances that you come from. Knowing that about hip-hop, how do we then apply it across the board, right? How, I often, often like, all, I also often like to say hip hop is the dream that Martin Luther King was talking about. Right. When he says, I have a dream and white little boys and girls can hang out with black boys and girls, you go to an everyday hip hop show and that's exactly what you see. Right. right? Biggie said it was all a dream. Now, when you look at that, what is dead smack in the middle of their two generations is the creation of hip hop. Right. right. So that's the dream that I think we are talking about, where we move away from these egotistical concepts of identity that are rooted in race, that are rooted in class, that are rooted in, in economics or politics or religion. And you go to a hip hop show, you go to a hip hop jam, you go to an environment where it becomes about the music. It becomes about the vibration and you see people harmonious. It doesn't at, at that point. Right. No different than the Bronx in the 70s. It didn't matter if you was a savage nomad or part of the ghetto brothers. I was just watching Rebel Kings yesterday. Right. You came to experience the jam and you came to the jam under the auspices of peace, love, unity and having fun. Right. And if you didn't, you were doing it. You were coming to that jam to negotiate peace treaties with the people in the space. Right. right? If that can happen in the hoods of New York City, that can't happen on a, low, a global level. That can't happen on a national level. Like where we'd be ignorant to think otherwise. So we can recognize that it's, it's recognizing the ability, but then having the will to implement that. 
wanting the gut, having the desire to really want to change the world in the way that we see it change the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that just hip hop provides the broad based principles that we can start agreeing on so that we're not all, you know, in argument. And I think that mm-hmm. we're in a climate now where everything is polarizing yeah. and it's fraudulently polarizing because people need engagement, likes, clicks, and clout. That's true. So you say hyperbolic things because you want somebody to disagree with you. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a hard time for a diplomat. It's really hard. But (laughs) you can kind of move away from that and just say like, yo, can we at least agree like Biggie was a dope rapper? Okay, (laughs) cool. Can we at least agree like, you know what I'm saying, like (laughs) certain songs we can all vibrate to and chill and enjoy ourselves? Okay, cool. Let's start there. And from there, we can again align with broader based principles. Do you love your children? Yes, I love my children too. We love children and we recognize the innocence of children. So yes. why don't we do things in our lives to make our lives of our children a lot better? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Like, and you can do that under these broad-based principles that we find in hip-hop. Yep. Absolutely. So, like yeah, inherently, really, they're inherently there and that we just got to help uh, everyone, you know, see the light. Exactly. And I think hip-hop makes America see the light. We are America's conscience. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'll say that again. Hip-hop is America's conscience. The way hip-hop goes is a reflection, a direct reflection of what's going on in our world and what's going on in in our American society, right? So if you don't like hip-hop, if you think hip-hop is brash, rude, misogynistic, violent, you have to look at the country it was created in. Brash, rude, misogynistic, violent. Right. You want it to change. Then, if you know, most Def said it. You, you want to see hip hop change. You got to change the people. Or if you want to see where where hip hop is going, look at right. where the people are going. Right. right. So if we can start calling back to the foundational principles, the transformative nature and qualities of this culture. If we can start embedding that in our youth, we're going to see over the next 10, 20 years how hip hop evolves for the better. Yeah. Amen. Amen, sir. And uh, it sounds like hip hop could be used for change. Oh, you should start an organization that has. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm. It sounds like you, you know. You're, and, you're and, the idea man, bro. I, I'm the visionary. I'm the vision. You and through that, and through that change, hip hop can then save America. Man, we are. Look at. They didn't do the science, man. You doing Come the on, science man. right now? Looks like we doing it right now. So listen. Come on. Uh, <clears throat> So listen, I re- I'm I'm really glad you ended up, you know, where you are. Uh, you know, I've I followed so. the organization for last for a long time. I don't like to. I'll tell you this between you and me, uh, and nobody else. Listen, I don't like to always talk to the nonprofit folk. You mm. know what I mean? There's a whole thing. There's a whole nonprofit industrial complex. There's hip hop oriented right. nonprofits that aren't really, you know, they don't have all that. When I mentioned the 990s before, you know what I know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like on yeah. the on the inside baseball tip. Not everybody's yeah. up to speed. I haven't developed mom because I, I know I'm not ready to do that yet, but I could have and been taking some donations and been like, yeah, I got some money. It's all good. But, right. but I do like, I, I do see that it's a, it's an organization that has put in the work, put in the time, does the right thing, brings in the right people, uh, has the right programming. And uh, you know, that the effectiveness is, is pretty clear. And, and obviously now you're partnering up with you know, school districts, other organizations who we respect. Uh, and so I, I, I really do admire the work. I know it's tough. I know it's tough to do. Uh, but it's thank very you, valuable, and um, and I think that it's uh, it's inspiring, and it should be inspiring to others. Uh, it's certainly. Inspiring I hope so. Me. That's it's yeah. each one teach one, right? Yeah. And I didn't I didn't get into this culture not to 
be able, I'm perpetually you're, trying to heal the 15 year old in me. You're not trying to gatekeep the nonprofits. You know what I mean? Right. But you said it in the beginning and then you just said it before you're, you're trying to make yourself better. And, and in through this, all these works, we can all make ourselves better because like I said, it's inherent in, in how we see life, right? The hip hop head just 100%. sees the world a little bit differently. Yeah, I think your artistic journey, your, it's your artistic development, and regardless of what the medium is, is aligned right. with your, your journey and your growth. Yeah. They're, they're the, two, the more you know about yourself, the more you can ideate on the life you want. Yeah, yeah. You, okay. have to, you have to start learning about yourself. Or unlearning. Or, or unlearning, yes, or unlearning. And this culture yeah. provides that opportunity more so yeah. than any other culture that I've ever come across. It provides that opportunity for deep self-reflection, to create a source of pride for yourself, to create a community around what you do, and for that community to uplift you to be your most amplified self. Yeah. How, how about this? You keep doing that wonderful work. I will keep amplifying it. Right? Yes. That's my job. And keep and doing uh, the work you do as well. Just, you yeah. know what I'm saying, across Fair the enough. Fair enough. And uh, we'll link and combine. And, and anytime you got something else to, you know, uh, broadcast out, you let me know. Uh, I know I've been long over to do coming to your neck of the woods. We'll make that yes. work. Although you'll probably be in Europe by then just gallivanting around. We'll, the, we'll, we'll make something happen. Trust we'll make me, something right? happen. We, we need some Manny faces over here. Like, I appreciate that. Tell the people <laughs> one time uh, where they can follow up with the organization, where they can follow up with you, where they could. I put the link to the band camp, uh, but just tell people all the things, all the end yeah, of interview things. things. Find find us on the on the Instagrams, right? Check us out on Instagram, Hip Hop the Number Four Change. Check out our website and all the events and programming that we have. www.hiphopforchange.org. Um, consider being a monthly donor. Consider being a one-time donor. We have a bunch of different programs that we're running in campaigns. We'd love for you to get involved if you want to be a volunteer. You can email me if you want to get involved as an educator in other ways. Send me an email, unlearn at hiphopforchange.org. You can find me individually on Instagram at unlearn the world. The God That Sins album is in your phone right now, or you could go on Bandcamp and pay what you want. Support local artists, support local artistry. Peace and love yeah. to everybody tuned in. That's what it is. I have all these links in the, in the show notes. Once again, if you're listening on the uh, feed, you missed all the fun in the chat. So make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. HipHopCanSaveAmerica.com slash watch. That's the easy way to get there. Uh, my friend, Unlearn the World, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having a, a good, thank long, you. Uh, inspiring conversation with me. Please come back um, sometime soon and we'll talk again. Absolutely. Appreciate you, bro. Peace to all. All right, my man. Be safe. Right. Yeah, yeah. There it is. One time, once again, Unlearn the World, the education director for Hip Hop for Change. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours. 